And I'll draw your attention as you remain standing for, for our scripture reading to Matthew chapter 26, and we'll look at verses 47 through 56. This is in some ways the answer to the Gethsemane prayer. Jesus needs strength to face his suffering at the cross, and he finds it from the Heavenly Father. So, hear with me now. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching you, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that your spirit would lead and guide us in the truth and help us as we reconnect with the wondrous truth of the gospel this evening, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Aldrich Ames began working for the CIA in high school, actually. He was... An incredible agent, had a wonderful career at the CIA, but somewhere, and you might recall this, back in 1994, they discovered he was a double agent for the KGB. He had exposed the identities of over a hundred CIA agents, selling them to the Russians, and not only that, they later traced 10 deaths directly to him as a result of his Spycraft. We hate traitors as a country, don't we? Jesus willingly endures a traitor here. Someone who is with him, someone who has witnessed his ministry, and he willingly endured a traitor for us to accomplish our salvation. It was part of the Father's will to go through this and here on good friday let's look at what following god means that it will mean our suffering that the way of the cross the way of the gospel the way of our faith involves suffering this is how our salvation was accomplished and yet what is evangelical christianity known for uh, 
not suffering. No, the biggest priority of evangelical Christianity, we would say, is comfort and personal peace. That most of the teaching, dare I say the majority of it, in evangelical Christianity is spent on trying to get us back to a place of comfort and peace instead of teaching us how to deal with the world as it really is. The fact that we live in a fallen world and that there are things that don't go right and don't go well, and there are incredible tragedies that happen, and we suffer, and we endure, all by faith following the way of the Savior. So we'll look briefly here at how Jesus suffered. And I will invite you into that way of suffering that we might see God glorified in our life no matter what we face. So first, I'll show you here, Jesus suffered betrayal. This is in verses 47 through 50. Jesus suffering at the hands of Judas. He comes to him and in this nonsensical sign to kiss him he kisses him betrayed with a kiss betrayal certainly hurts doesn't it there is the extension of our trust our expectations of a relationship and when we are betrayed those expectations those rules are violated that trust is cast away betrayal hurts and it crushes us because it involves broken promises and even though jesus knew this would happen he knew judas would betray him after all jesus is god if we look across the page there to matthew 26 verse 25 there at the last supper judas who would betray him Answered, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus says to him, you have said so. So Jesus knows this would happen, and yet it is still painful. And he willingly endures this betrayal, this suffering for us. And it's an encouragement to us that maybe in the midst of our betrayals, in the midst of our suffering, that we would go to God with that pain. He knows that pain. After all, we have a Savior. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, who is not unable to sympathize with us. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows the pain of betrayal. So that we, when we experience that pain, we can go to God with it. He is not afraid of, God is not afraid or allergic of our pain. The great purpose, the grand purpose of our life is not to get back to a point of no pain or to get back to a place of comfort, but the glory of God in the midst of our suffering. So one of the ways Jesus suffers here, you understand now that his suffering didn't begin at the cross with the torture and his mistreatment at the hand of the Romans his suffering began with this betrayal, but then we can back it up further, can't we? His suffering began at his birth, to leave the throne room of heaven, to leave how good it was there to come here, 
that's when his suffering and his humiliation began. Jesus suffered betrayal. He also suffered injustice. And you see this in verses 51 through 54. And this injustice that Jesus suffered, how unfair for him to be treated this way. The Savior of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, what happens to him? He is betrayed. He is seized unjustly. There is no justice in what happens here. He is seized, ar arrested, <clears throat> mistreated. And what do we do in the face of injustice? We immediately act in the face of injustice. And that is a good instinct to fight against injustice. But here I want to show you in this text that it was through injustice not by rectifying injustice, but by enduring injustice that our salvation was accomplished. That instinct we have to right every wrong, to fix it. Oh, if we can just innovate something, we can solve it. We have great confidence in our own ability to organize, to research our way out of suffering, to figure this thing out. But we don't often talk about that the way of suffering is the way through, not around and not in avoidance, but the way through. That's the way Jesus chose. He went through this injustice willingly being arrested and falling into the hands of the Romans. And you notice there that in the face of this injustice, when this happens, Peter, we find out it's Peter and, and John. What does he do? He immediately draws his sword. He's going to do something here in the face of injustice. And he strikes the high priest and cuts off his ear. Now, here's the thing. We don't often think about this. When I, when I read that, I think to myself, oh, that sword, it must have been as sharp as a scalpel, probably a samurai-type sword, right? This is what... The assumptions we're bringing to the text. And Peter, probably a skilled swordsman, wouldn't he? No, none of this is true. He probably carried a semi-dull short sword. He wasn't a skilled swordsman. And yet he takes matters into his own hands. And clumsily, he misses, doesn't he? He misses. He intended... To kill the servant of the high priest. What did the servant of the high priest ever do? This is another example of injustice, isn't it? That we don't often talk about. He wasn't there by choice. He's a servant. And here he is getting his ear cut off. Now Jesus heals him. We read about that in Luke, not in this account. But isn't that our instinct? That when we face injustice, let's fix this. Let's do something about it. But the sword, Peter's sword, what does Jesus tell him? Verse 52, put your sword back into its place. You see, it is the way of suffering that will accomplish our salvation, not the way of the sword. The sword can't do it. The sword cannot bring the kingdom in. Only Jesus can accomplish his kingdom coming 
And it is not through a sword, but it is through his suffering. He reminds Peter here in verse 53, Do you not think I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. That's powerful, isn't it? The legion, Roman legion, 6,000 soldiers. Jesus is saying, I have at my disposal more than 72,000 angels. One would be enough. But he doesn't go there because he is demonstrating to us that those uncomfortable things in our life, the things we would change, the things at the top of our list that we just, we just wish it wasn't that way, those are the very things that glorify God as we suffer in them and through them and not only do they suffer do they allow us to glorify god through our suffering but as well jesus accomplishes our salvation not around suffering but in it and through it and so he tells peter here in verse 54 how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so jesus is fulfilling exactly what the prophets have said, reminding everyone there of the veracity and the truth of what he is doing. You see, it isn't the sword that will deliver us. It's not our ability to control and organize or research our way out of things. Sometimes injustice in this fallen world it's just meant to be endured. We cannot fix it. Only God can. And that's part of Easter because we look forward to every injustice being fixed. There will be a day where every tear will be wiped away. And the resurrection reminds us of this power. And we'll celebrate that Sunday. But now what we're focused on is that even in the midst of injustice and when we suffer unjustly, we are giving glory to God through it. Now, it's easy for me, me to say that, isn't it? That the way of suffering is the way through, not around, and we should embrace suffering. It is easy for those of us not under threat to say that suffering is the way. I acknowledge that. We are not calling the injustice good, but what we are saying is that even in the midst of the injustice, God can meet you there and strengthen you and help you and craft and shape your very character and sanctify you through the things that we don't like about our life. He can meet us there by his grace. And so what does this mean for us? That if we're in the midst of suffering, we're called as Jesus does here. What does Jesus do in the midst of that injustice? He trusts himself to the Heavenly Father. He entrusts himself to the Father. And likewise for us that in the midst of suffering, we can entrust ourselves to God. And not only that, 
we can have hope that he will use even this terrible, ugly injustice for his glory one day. So not only did Jesus suffer betrayal, he suffered injustice all to achieve and accomplish our salvation. He suffered for our salvation. This is what was required in the ultimate cosmic do-over. Adam, through Adam, sin came into the world. Christ, the second Adam, comes. He suffers and pays the penalty owed to God and writes us, reconciles us with him. And Jesus says again, this time to the crowds there in verse 56, all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. The fulfillment of the scriptures is the exclamation point that he will never leave us or forsake us, it is the emphasis that reminds us he's in control of all things. And it's why it's good to be a Christian. Why is it good to be a Christian? Jesus suffered betrayal, so we would never be abandoned. He suffered betrayal so we could be reconciled to God. Why is it good to be a Christian? Because he suffered injustice that one day we would get justice by grace. And this justice by grace is not what we deserve for our sin, but instead comes to us by virtue of Christ's righteousness, imputed to us, given to us, by faith alone so that we are justified before God, declared righteous. And the judgment due to us for sin has fallen on Christ so we could experience the wonder of our salvation. A salvation we don't deserve. A salvation we don't earn. He suffered to win our salvation. The sword couldn't do it. Suffering could. And Christ did, fully going to the cross, dying the death we deserved so that our salvation could be accomplished. That's why this Friday we call it good. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you that you suffered for our sake. And we pray in those moments in our life when we suffer betrayal, when we mourn and lament over the injustice that we see, we thank you that our salvation was accomplished not apart from, but through suffering. And though this world is not as it should be, we know one day this world will be exactly what you intended. And we look forward to Christ coming back. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you he was forsaken instead of us. And we thank you that at the cross, we see the magnitude of your love for us. And we see the misery of what our sin deserved. We give you thanks that 
Christ suffered for our sake, willingly, because of his deep and abiding love for us. We thank you. In his name we pray. Amen.